I was 12 and then they took me downstairs and to be honest I think I kind of just blocked out what they said but basically they said your dad did some bad things and he's going to jail. Hey, and thanks for coming back to Please Don't Tell Anyone. I'm Molly Clark, your host, and this is the podcast where you hear unexpected stories by ordinary people. I go and blind to all my interviews so that I can hear the story firsthand, just like you. Please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell I said, them. please don't tell anyone. Please don't tell anyone. Don't tell I said, them. please don't tell anyone. I said, please don't tell anyone. Don't tell them. So we went to high school together. We did, yes. Many moons ago at this point, it feels like. I would say we were like acquaintances. We weren't friends. We weren't close friends. We were friendly. I think the kind of high school we went to, everyone was like friendly enough. Everyone, it was what, 80 people in our grade? So everyone knew each other. Everyone kind of knew each other's, or am I allowed to curse? Yes, oh my God, of course. Everyone knew each other's shit to an extent, but. Yeah, so we went to an all-girls private school. School. 80 girls in our class. We were one of the largest classes ever. Is that true? Yeah, I think it was 81, actually. Okay. Um, Kill off a few. So just set the scene. It was uh, a lot of girls together. A lot of girls, a lot of drama. A lot of money. A lot of money. And um, I'll just say what I thought of you, because what we're going to talk about today, I had no clue was going on with you. Um, I thought you were just sweet. You weren't popular. You weren't the bottom of the barrel, you know? You were kind of somewhere in the middle is how I remember it. I'm so interested in what you think of hearing this. I mean, high school for me, there was just a lot going on. And high school was honestly the lowest of my priorities. Um, oh, I think so interesting. <laughs> I think I just, I was friendly with everyone and didn't want any enemies. But I was, like, so afraid because there was so much going on in my life to be close with anyone that I just kind of stuck to myself and... You know, when there were teachers around, I pretended to be more social because I didn't want anyone to worry. But at the end of the day, it was kind of just like show up to school, brush my hair, throw a bow in my hair. I never eat lunch, but we'll get to that in a minute. And then just, you know, go to crew, go to field hockey and then go home. Yeah, that's, that's totally would not have thought that. I mean, I would have thought the friendly. I just thought you were friendly. You were nice to everyone. You were just. Someone I wasn't worried about. Yeah. So I'll tell you the two things I know about you going into this. The two like, oh my God, that girl moments for me. Uh Uh-huh. And again, I can cut this if if you don't want these two things in there. Yeah. When I found out that you had like a very crippling eating disorder. Yeah. Shocked. And that your dad was in jail. Yeah. Um, So the dad in jail actually started before. I I started high school in... Not start high. Everyone starts high school in ninth grade. I matriculated into our school, which is K through 12th, in ninth grade. So I'd actually gone to Catholic school um, from kindergarten to eighth grade. Oh, I didn't know that because I, te- I came in 10th. Yeah. So I missed that. Um, and so also I guess the context is that prior to knowing this is I went to Catholic school. I don't necessarily agree with everything the Catholic religion preaches, but... I consider myself to be fairly religious. We belong to a country club that is primarily Catholic. My world was very Catholic, and I had lived a very sheltered life, and I didn't really know any. I had never gone to school with anyone who wasn't white, who wasn't Catholic. It was just, I honestly, it wasn't that I didn't, I just didn't 
incredibly sheltered in that it world. was sheltered it wasn't it was a bubble it was absolutely a bubble um so i'm the oldest of four and when i was in seventh grade um my grandmother from texas was in town and my other grandmother was here she was lived locally at the time she passed away since but um they were over and my parents were out to dinner and in the weeks and months prior things had just been kind of weird there were a lot of conversations outside on the deck i i knew something was going on i thought my parents were pregnant to be honest i thought they were having another baby i was so excited you were 13 six seven was 13 I was 12, okay. seventh grade. Yeah, I was young. I was always young for my grade. Um, so I was 12. And then they took me downstairs. And to be honest, I think I kind of just blocked out what they said. But basically, they said, Your dad did some bad things and he's going to jail. So that was in seventh grade. Was that completely shocking to you? Like, you genuinely had no idea? Oh, I had completely idolized my father. I thought he was my hero. I mean, I think most people do idolize their father. Yeah. I mean, looking back, it all makes sense now. But, I mean, and the problem is they also, my parents handled it completely incorrectly. Yeah. It's funny um, how they do that. <laughs> it's funny how they do that. And, you know, there was never a please don't tell anyone. There was That statement was never directly said, but it was an insinuation. So yeah. So they may as well have just said it. Yeah. Um, And, you know... At that point, I just, I had no idea what was going on. And if there's something I can tell you, it's that the federal government is the most inefficient body ever. Um, It takes them ages and ages to do anything. So this was in seventh grade, and I said, okay. But, you know, there was no real, this was what my parents were saying, but, you know, there was no factuality to it. They didn't tell me the circumstances. They didn't tell me why. They didn't tell me what was going on things started to progress at a point but in my head it was like just go to school everything's fine so that was seventh grade and I also had three younger siblings and they had no idea what was going on I'm 11 years older than my brother so my brother was I was 12 my brother was like two like it was crazy so that was seventh grade and then what happened was my father hadn't even been indicted at this point and um my father was kind of a co-conspirator in it and his other partner in crime was from a family that is pretty well known and so it was known that it was going to be in the papers when it finally did come out when i was in 10th grade so this was four years later i i don't know why your dad was in jail and if you don't want to share that that's okay oh i just i never saw any of this it was white collar crime i mean it was just like your run of the villain (laughs) (laughs) embezzlement but, uh, <laughs> and honestly, I'm not going to share names because that's, I feel like it's not my prerogative to say, but yeah. the amount of girls from my high school who I know who have also gone through this process, you would be astounded. I mean, you might know a few off the top of your head, yeah. but like, and I have reached out to them and conversed with them a little bit, but because it is really such an isolating process because yeah, it sucks. Like your dad's going to jail, but it wasn't like. It's like you're not really that sympathetic of a victim because, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like we were poor. It wasn't like we, like my dad stole money. Like, that's not knowingly. Knowingly, he defrauded people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Why is anyone going to feel badly for me? I know I wasn't the one who was doing it, but, you know, I was the one who who had to deal with the consequences more so than he did. Mm-hmm. Um. So where was I going? Tenth grade. It hits the papers. Oh, well, there was a little in between. I mean, it was 
there were countless times in between eighth and ninth and grade where it was like, um, it's gonna, he's going to be indicted. He's going to be indicted. He's this, that, and the other. But it never, they always said he was going to be indicted, but he never was. So in my mind, I was like, all right, it's just not going to happen. This is never going to happen. And we just were like living our lives, going to the country club, going to school. I mean, the high school we went to is what? $40,000 $40,000 a year. I'm like, yeah. all right, this is all BS. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, okay. Like, sh- uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you, I, I would have thought the same thing. It's like you see someone get arrested by a police officer on the street or like those types of, like those are crimes. They go to jail. Like there's an ABC usually when you see an arrest and that wasn't happening here. But And then also to set the scene here a little bit, you have to understand I did understand that it had something a little bit to do financially from when my father worked at one of the big financial firms. Um, and in eighth grade was when everything hit the fan with Bernie Madoff. Oh. So my parents hadn't given me any context. So here I am watching the news and thinking, oh, my God, is my father Bernie? Not is my father yeah. Bernie Madoff, but is this is what is this what my father did? Is this is what's going to happen? And then a year later, Bernie Weedoff's hung, hung himself. And I'm like, Ugh. oh, my goodness, is this what's happening? And then there was also someone who went to our high school who transferred to public school because her family. And I do have to say my family was very fortunate in the fact that we did have other resources and that this wasn't completely financially devastating. But in this other girl's case, this was financially devastating and she did have to transfer schools and... She also, unfortunately, killed herself. She killed herself. Yeah. And that was when I was in ninth grade and she was in 11th grade. So, and then when my father eventually went to jail, I was in 11th grade. So, you had to imagine how terrifying that was for me. Oh, my God. I had no clue. Yeah. This whole story, I'm just going to have no clue. So, expect that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) So, that was a really hard thing to... I mean, it wasn't something I was like constantly thinking about but it was something that was constantly in the back of my mind i mean it sounds like it's like this dark cloud on the horizon yeah and so i also have three younger siblings who i love and adore and my parents had me in college i was a bit of an accident um so my next sibling is six years younger than me so six eight and eleven years apart so when all this was going on i kind of thought that I could handle, I, you know, I was the one that they had to worry about the least, which I understand. They thought that more so the younger kids kind of needed to more attention. Oh, I would think the opposite. So, so some people would say. Yeah. But that was not quite their modality. Here I was in high school. No, not a single person knew what was going on. I was told when I entered our high school to kind of keep a low profile because we never knew when this was going to come off and did faculty know like did the teachers know coming in um or the dean or the in 11th grade there was one teacher bless her heart she's since passed away um mrs hoffman who i was very 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 close with um she knew but that was it yeah where was it going you come into school being told to keep a low profile yeah so so you kind of did i mean i did exactly it was I mean, I'm not, like, the most outgoing, most social person ever, but I just personally felt very shamed that my father had done these things, and I know now after a lot and a lot and a lot of therapy, for the most part, that it wasn't my fault, but, like, you know, as a young kid, you, you emulate your parents and you think, and also at the same time, I was living off of all of these people's money that he defrauded. I mean, I lived a very 
affluent and exciting child. You know what I mean? I was, yeah. lived a very extravagant life, and that was based on his crimes. Wow. That uh, is a lot to set it with. And you feel guilty about it, even though you had no idea, but you still feel guilty about yeah. it. Um. So, yeah, I was told to kind of keep a low profile. So I wasn't super social and, like, outgoing to begin with. And then that's kind of why I was friendly with people. But I was never – I was always afraid to get close with people because I thought that, you know, who would want to be friends with someone like that? Wow. You know, and you never knew when it was going to hit the paper and you never knew when the other shoe was going to drop. I mean, my father also ended up being – so is co – whatever you want to call him. My father – my father pled guilty and actually assisted the government in helping prosecute the other guy who did not plead guilty. So there were a lot of, like, weird things that went on, you know, at points my father was convinced. My father was very paranoid. He thought our house was bugged. He thought people were watching. It was keep your head down as you're walking back from the school bus. I mean, mm. it was just craziness. And he would only have conversations on the deck. It was almost like Tony Soprano. I don't know if you've ever watched The Sopranos. No, but that but... sounds like com- complete uh, complete paranoia to live in as a kid. And the problem was also that, like, he knew the parameters of the paranoia, but even now sometimes if I'm really stressed out, like, I get paranoid to an extent because at the time I didn't, I didn't know the reasons why there was such paranoia, but so I didn't have the reasons to kind of justify it. And I was I was a child, so mm-hmm. my brain wasn't fully developed. So yeah. that's kind of embedded in me still. Yeah, so that's no, something it just wasn't your job too to have to deal with all this. Yeah. So uh, if we're looking right around kind of ninth grade, tenth grade, just to pull in this other mystery about you that I knew that I've later found out, had your eating disorder developed then? Um, no, that was more so eleventh, twelfth grade when things really kind of started yet bad um so 10th grade it breaks on the news oh yeah 10th grade it breaks on the news so 10th grade was actually um april 12th my grandfather had passed away the summer beforehand in texas Mm -hmm. but he was from ohio so he was cremated and we had a funeral in texas but then he actually went to be buried in ohio with his parents so as it turned out the weekend that the news broke which was a Friday, and it was all over the place. It was on CNN. It was it was on the front page of CNN. Mm-hmm. It was all. It felt. It, the thing was with things like this, you think everyone pays attention, but yeah, I had no idea. I was not paying attention. The pro, This is something that Mrs. Hoffman always used to say. I mean, she would say, "Morgan, no one really cares. No one really cares." Which sounds bad and callous, but like at the end of the day, it's kind of true. It's true. Everyone's thinking about themselves. Like a lot of people really don't care, and that's something you kind of have to learn. But, um, so we were actually driving to Ohio to go bury my dead grandfather's. This is all coming out. So that was, um, April 12th of 2013, which was my sophomore year of high school. And then, um, on, in July 15th was when he was sentenced. And he was sentenced to a year and a day. Which actually the the extra day allowed him to get out on extra time, so he actually ended up only going away for nine months, mm. whereas the um, other guy went away for nine years, I think. Oh my god! Yeah, so it was a lot of unknowns. So the other guy's still away. No, I mean, okay, jail time such BS. Like yeah. he, he got out a few years ago, but okay. um, so your dad ended up going to jail for nine months. 
Yeah, but it was like fake jail. It was like Martha Stewart jail. Did you visit him? I did not visit him. Okay. What, um, what happened with your relationship with your dad between? Um, I mean, I just think very much went south and still are. In, oh, really? In the southern direction. Got it. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to push you down that path if, if you don't want to share that stuff. I'm I just mean, curious, just, like, where it you was, went from idolizing your father to completely cutting off the relationship? I mean, it just, like, my whole world got turned apart, and it was kind of just, I was kind of just expected to, like, go with the program and think that things were, like, this was normal. You know what I mean? And yeah. I'm like, oh, excuse me? And I think that my parents, like, I don't know that they were malintended in some ways, and there is other stuff that I can't particularly get into on this yeah. po- podcast, but they just, I don't know. They didn't understand why I had such a hard time with it, which to me was so confusing. So pretty much from 10th grade, you haven't had a relationship with your dad. Oh, I mean, it was more so like 7th grade. But okay. in 11th grade, it was 11th grade when he was away it was really when I was able to set a boundary and say... I'm not going to see you. I'm not going to communicate with you, this, that, and the other. And it was hard because it created a lot of animosity between me and my mother because my mother was in between my father and I. You set a boundary with your father yeah. when he goes to jail. But it sounds like, based on the timeline that you've given on your eating disorder, this is when mentally you start to I mean, it more. was like mentally I was a mess and because I was going to school every day pretending like everything was fine. Meanwhile, I was going home and my father was in jail my poor mother was dealing with four children we were all pretending like everything was hunky-dory mm. i mean it was <laughs> it's comical yeah um and i mean it was like people knew but people didn't know it was just don't talk about it yeah and i think also it was me setting a boundary that i was angry at him that i didn't want to go see him in jail but i also i always but i never would admit that i always said i just didn't want to see him in that light which was also true but I also think there was a big factor of, like, denial. Like, I just don't think I physically could have handled it. Did your I, siblings go? Yeah, my siblings went. Oh, wow. All of them. Yeah. Okay. So, that was, it was a big fight. Every Sunday, they would go up to see my father, and I would, I wouldn't go, and there was always a screaming match, and that you need to go see your father, you're putting me in an unfair position, this, that, and the other. And you held your ground with that. That's amazing. It was amazing until he got home. Got you know, him. it was, like... It wasn't forever. When, so when did he get home? So he left on September 9th of 2013, and he dropped me off at school, and he said, I'll never forget, he said, catch you later. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great parting words. Uh, and then I didn't have any contact with him until June 18th when he got home. And Mrs. Hoffman actually walked me home while, like, to go see him. Hmm. And Mrs. Hoffman offered to go visit him in jail with me, I mean, Mrs. Hoffman was, like... Yeah, she was the best. It was shocking when she died. I'm sure for you it was beyond uh, shocking. Uh, I was not okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were just... You just kept getting hit with... with uh, I mean, I missiles. just, like... I, I don't know. I still have her mask card in my car. Like, I, I don't know what I would have done without that woman. Um, uh, I mean, I want to believe that she's still with you. I do, too. I just wish she was here. I know. I hate that, too. <laughs> a little fucked up no it's true so your dad gets out of jail in june mrs hoffman walks you home you see your dad for the first time how does that go 
I mean, it was kind of just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I walk into my house and my whole family is, like, sitting on the couch watching Frozen. And my father has his ankle monitor on. I mean, my family, like, doesn't believe in therapy. It's, like, this whole fucking disaster. Junior year, I was interning at Penn. I had an internship at a gene therapy lab at Penn, Mm -hmm. which I think was, like, good for me because I do really well on structure and, Mm -hmm. like, thriving with that kind of stuff. So I did that. And then fast forward to senior year. Oh, also, but the good part about junior year is, like, junior spring, like, I just, like, couldn't keep it up anymore, and I just, like, full-on stopped going to school. I don't know if you remember that. But, like, no. Just, like, couldn't do it anymore. Just stopped. Um, so what did you do every day when you stopped going to school? I was just like I was so depressed and I just like couldn't handle it anymore. Yeah. It was like too, too much for a kid to have to handle and I had no help whatsoever and Mrs. Hoffman tried her hardest but like it was one person trying to be a mother when I needed a mother, a father, a psychiatrist, a therapist. Yeah. And a, was your mom mad that you weren't going to school? Like what was her reaction if it wasn't like I so mean, loving? I mean she was mad but like um it's so complicated with my mother because at the same time she was just trying to get by too i mean she had four young kids and a husband that was in jail and quite frankly my father's an asshole like it just it it was just a clusterfuck yeah that was junior year yeah have you developed an eating disorder at that point um by the way i don't know much about eating disorders i don't know the right terminology here so please correct me like have you developed i just felt horrible saying that oh no no um i mean developed it's not i don't know if there's a right word or a wrong word um i would say it got it really blew off when i went to college so senior year was kind of like damage control it was like let's get this girl into a college first of all where um, are you are you okay sharing where you ended up going the first summer? I went to Loyola in Maryland, which I actually do really think I would have liked, but my head was in the toilet every yeah. <laughs> every day, so I couldn't really uh can't really Oh speak. literally. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> literally. Um so Got it. Yeah. Okay, so senior year, let's get this girl into college. They pull it off. They, they get you into Loyola. They they pull it off. Um and the problem is I really think I not that Loyola is a bad school, but, like, I really do think I could have gotten into a much better school had I not been going through so much shit. Yeah, which annoys me. But yeah, because it's like you didn't cause that. Yeah. I think everyone thought just, like, get this chick to college and everything would be fine. Yeah. Which is, like, wishful thinking. Yeah. But, like, that's not really how mental illness works. Yeah. <laughs> so, I remember, like, going to my pediatrician, who is also another godsend of my life, and you know how you have to like get all the medical forms like to go to like college mm-hmm. and like whatever and she was like oh but wait i forgot an important part senior year, i had to take a medical leave in the spring yeah so and they're like you have to go to see a therapist and i was like all right fuck that but so i went and saw this therapist like three times so i hated it and this sounds awful but she was you can't send someone with me you can just you, you didn't cut this out but she was fat, and you can't send someone with an eating disorder to a fat therapist. Why do I need to cut that out? I kind of think that that's really funny. I don't cut it. I don't know. Okay. I don't want to sound like a dick, but, like, it's true. <laughs> I just feel like someone out there really can relate to that quote. I mean, uh, everyone with an eating disorder can relate to that quote. Okay. It's like, you can't do it. It's like, that's someone with an eating disorder's worst nightmare, <laughs> and you're, you're sitting there. It's like, come on. That's hilarious. So. That's so funny. Then, so I took the medical leaves, didn't really do anything. It was more so, like, 
if you don't take this medical leave, like, you physically have not been enough days of school to graduate. So, like, you have to take this medical leave. Yeah. So, I took the medical leave. So, then I graduated. So, then I'm going to see my pediatrician. She's filling out the paperwork for me to go to college. And she puts disordered eating on my thing. And I said, excuse me, what the fuck is this? Like, (laughs) what are you talking about? She's like, Morgan, you've lost all this weight. Like, don't tell me you don't have good eating habits. I was like, that's bullshit. That's great. I'm fine. Da, 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 da. She was like, uh, well, it's there. And I was like, okay, whatever. So then I get to college and it's, you know, I think everyone's a little overwhelmed when I get to college. It's just such a new world. Oh, yeah. and new I didn't experience. think I'd survive. And I mean, I wanted to like it, but I think I just had developed such an antisocial, is that right? It's an antisocial. I was just so afraid to get close to people because I just felt so ashamed of everything that had happened. So then I became best friends with the toilet. So um, that's really when things kind of took off. Um, And so I just, like, started throwing up all the time. Like, everything that went in my body just went into the toilet. Can I add? Like, I feel like this is going to be really insensitive. And you you don't have to answer this. But, like, I I am just curious. Like, like how does that start? Like, do you see that somewhere? Or, like, how do you decide like today is the day i'm gonna do this for the first time um to be honest i i had tried it before but like i guess i just hadn't tried hard enough and i think i was just like feeling so low and like just decided to shove my hand down like a little bit further and then there we go yeah um and then i like knew that wasn't great but like i thought it was just like a little bit of a situation so then i started seeing this therapist esther in the counseling center, this short, like, redhead Jewish woman. She was great. And skinny. <laughs> she was skinnier than she the was, other one. She was petite. And <laughs> I was like, all right, I can get down with you, Esther. Like, and she was like, listen, like, this isn't, like, a short-term problem. Like, you got some issues. And I was like, what are you talking about, Esther? Like, I just like to throw up sometimes. Like, come on. And she was like, no, no, no. I made the mistake of giving her access to my pediatrician like the little HIPAA situation oh um and so when the little HIPAA situation happened I came home from Thanksgiving and the pediatrician was like whoa no and I was like well yeah I'm fine and she was like whoa no and then she was like you really shouldn't go back to school like I was like whoa no you're wrong so I mean because at that point I had like a week and finals left I was like oh no like did your parents know at that point yeah, she made me – she called my parents. Okay. And then um, I went back to school and made it – I had to get an EKJ. And Why? Because when you're vomiting so much, it really fucks up your heart. Who made you get the EKG, though? The pediatrician. Oh, she was like, if you're going to go back to school, you have to get yeah. this EKG. Yeah. Okay. And they were like, yeah, no. So it was um, – Two days after my mother's birthday, and she had to come pick me up from school. Wait, what did the EKG say that was so bad? Um, That I was, like, at high risk for sudden cardiac death. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, that's not really small. So then I I took a medical leave from college at that point, and they were like, okay, just, like, go to rehab for a month or Christmas break or however long you need to, and then come back, finish your finals, whatever. But you need a doctor's approval. So I went home on December 3rd, 
At this point, are you still in denial that you have an eating disorder? You're like, oh, I only throw up a few times. I didn't, I like knew I was sick, but I didn't think I was that sick. And then I went to this, uh, so December 3rd, I came home. And then by December 10th, I was in rehab, which is a really quick turnaround from being, going from being in college to rehab in a week is like a little bit of a, a little bit of a mindfuck. Yeah. So then I went to rehab and... So I was there for a month, and basically I needed the psychiatrist signature there to go back to school. So I was, like, a saint of a saint. Like, I ate everything. I did exercise. I followed all the rules. I just needed this man's signature to go back to Do they – how do they make sure you're not throwing up at rehab? Um, well, so it's, like, you're not allowed to, like, go to the bathroom for, like, an hour after. But, like, there are definitely ways around it. Which I definitely found out the second time, but the first time I was on a mission. Okay. I, I needed to get back to school. Everyone's walking around in their blanket, like it's like a pashmina. I mean, everyone's like just so depressed. It's Christmas, it's Hanukkah, the menorah doesn't even light up. There's <laughs> Ensure, which is like a dietary supplement. There's an Ensure can on top of the fake Christmas tree. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, what is going on? I mean, you just really have no idea. You can't even go for a walk. You're in therapy all day and eating all day, which is quite honestly a person with an eating disorder's worst nightmare. And everyone's talking about their eating disorder. Yeah, and then but like you can't talk about, you can't say a lot of words because it's considered triggering. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, and it's Christmas, and you're like, what the fuck is going on? So and then I celebrated New Year's there as well, and that probably should have been. A, little foreshadowing that the year to come wasn't going to be so great either but you know we were trying to be optimistic yeah didn't make it up to midnight because believe it or not being in rehab is quite exhausting i went back to school and so i was had to make up all of my incompletes from the previous semester was taking 18 more credits this coming semester and was doing inpatient or iop at baltimore and then um, I was supposed to find a therapist that I liked there too, but like I just never got around to that. And then, um, totally unsustainable and totally unmanageable. Un- but but then that's January eighteenth, January twentieth. My uh, mother leaves my father. Oh, copy that. Did you see that coming? Um. So my mother had said my parents like never really. I don't know. My parents were never really matched me in heaven, in yeah. my opinion. But um, did I see that coming? Did you see that coming then? Like that January where like, oh, I know she's about to file or I know she's about to leave Which him. she said she was, but she'd been saying this for years. Yeah. So it was kind of like. Were they living together? Yeah. It was kind of like dad was going to jail, but dad wasn't going to jail. Like, yeah. My mom was like, yeah, my I'll dad, believe you when I see it. I'll believe you when I see it. January 20th. So like 10 days fresh out of rehab. Yeah. Like in timing. a different state. Like what? How do you find out? Um, and then my mom did it also in, like, the most inconvenient... My mom, like, showed up to my dad's house, like, with a moving truck while he was in the shower and just, like, essentially tried to take all of his stuff. And, listen, I'm not either of my parents' biggest fans, but, like, the way they did it was, like, so fucked up. And then the police got called. It was... It was a shit job. But you weren't there. I was in good. Baltimore. Great. No. Oh. It was... It was, like... I felt like I could have been more helpful if I was there, which in reality, there was no, there was no winning or losing. It was just losing. Yeah. Um, so then that happened. So then I just was like trying to make up all of these incompletes, going to IOP three days a week, still had my head in the toilet. 
um, was trying to go to class, wasn't really going to class. And then I came home on spring break and my pediatrician again was like, yo, what? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And I was like, it's fine, Susan, don't worry about it. <laughs> and she was like, no, no. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. And she was like, no, no. And so I'll never forget that Sunday I went to the flower show with my father. We went to brunch in the flower show. We were like pretending like things were fine. We do that sometimes, you know, in in the sake of camaraderie. Mm -hmm. So we went to the flower show. We went to brunch at this place around here called Ozzy. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget. I like went like puked everything I just ate. And then we went to the flower show. And then that was on Sunday. And then I was like, Dr. McGarry was like, or, sorry, my pediatrician was like, you cannot go back to school. I was like, fine. Like, I'll go back to seeing a therapist. Because right before spring break, I had discharged myself from the in, um, from the IOP program because I was like, screw this, I'm over it. Like, Got it. And she was, I was like, fine. Like, I'll go see a therapist. And she was like, kiddo, we're way past that. I was like, How what? could she tell that you were way past that? Like, were you being honest with her about where um, you were? No, it's just like. I was losing a lot of weight, and then also, like, your blood work, like... Shows it. When you're throwing up so much, like, your levels are... Like, my potassium levels were shot. My vitamin D levels were shot. My iron was shot. My EKG was a mess. I mean, the body doesn't lie, unfortunately. Um... So then I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'll go, like, see a therapist in Baltimore. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, you're not going back to Baltimore. Like, you're going to CHOP. And I was like, no. And she was like, literally, like, you're going to die. And I was like, no. What are you talking about? And she was like, no. Like, and I wasn't, I was definitely thinner than I had been, but I wasn't, like, didn't look thin then. So I was like, no, like, I don't have a problem. Like, I'm fine. And she was like, no. So basically she won and I lost. So then... Were your parents like, yeah, take her to shop? Or were they like, what the fuck are... Like, why... Well, my father was like, what the fuck? Like, we just went to brunch in the flower show. We went to the show. flower show. Like, she's fine. she's fine. My mother was like, still... I mean, they were just like... And when they, like, first... They're actually not officially divorced still mm-hmm. for monetary reasons. They mm-hmm. refuse to divide the assets. And they're mm-hmm. legally separated. And they go through periods of speaking and not speaking. And yeah. it just came out a few weeks ago that my father had a four-year affair on my mother and that's a whole other thing oh copy that wow <laughs> while my mom was pregnant oh back in the day back in the day got it uh um, years that's a long affair yeah with my aunt's best friend oh is she still in the picture the aunt's best friend <laughs> no but you knew her yeah wow yeah okay i feel like someone's got to come on the podcast from that story yeah so um yeah, so I went to CHOP, and uh, CHOP was, like, honestly, I don't even remember me. CHOP wasn't, like, a psychiatric unit. CHOP was, like... Stabilize her. CHOP was, like, I had a heart monitor on, and the parameters to get... So, just to give a little medical background here, yeah. typically someone's heart rate is from 60 to 100 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, resting. Resting. So, my resting heart rate when I admitted was 34 beats per minute, uh-huh. and the... Um, and that falls when you're sleeping, obviously, a little bit. So the parameters to get out of top were my heart rate had to be above 45 beats per minute for three nights in a row. So it took me 10 days to do that. Um, did Before you got to CHOP, when you were, like, going about your life, did you feel like you were about to pass out all the time? Um, 
you kind of get used to it in a weird way. You know what it I mean? just like becomes you a know, norm. You just, of like, oh, this is what it feels like to be alive. Yeah. So interesting. It's, it's not really like you, you kind of just get used to it. And okay. I mean, there were definitely times I'm like, oh, I'm a little, a little dizzy here. Yeah, but you never actually passed out. No. And then so when I left CHOP, they were like, you cannot, they have this program called Family Brace Treatment where basically your parents like control everything you do. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually don't know a lot about it, but it has been shown to be pretty effective in some cases. This um, was not one of those cases. Well, I was like, fuck no, yeah. absolutely not. So I went back to Renfrew where I was the first time and was a little less of an angel. Where is that place that you went Renfrew? to? Renfrew? Yeah. Um, it's probably about 20 minutes away Oh, it's from around here. here. Yeah. So you go back the second time to the same place. Yeah, and I was like, fuck this. Like, I don't give a shit. Um, so it took a lot longer for me to get out because I wasn't really behaving. I think I was there for eight weeks the second time. Uh, At this point, had you dropped out of college? Um, I hadn't dropped out. I mean, I took a medical leave the first time. Mm-hmm. And then never, like, remade the medical leave, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And then, like, finished, like mm-hmm. completed it, and then I took another medical leave. That was that. So then I got out. It was, like, May. And I remember meeting with Connie McElroy, and I was like, what, what do I do? She, for reference, that's our college counselor in high yeah. school. Um, I think that's fine to use her name. I mean, I don't think she would. I don't think she listens. No. <laughs> Burn. Connie, if you're listening, we love you. Thanks Connie, for all the help. Connie, you're a saint, honestly. Well, funny enough, I met with Connie because a Loyola, where I was, just like I had a bad taste in my mouth from like yeah. the toilet. Yeah. So <laughs> I wanted to transfer anyway. So I met with Connie right before I got admitted to CHOP the second time because when my parents were separated, I was coming home like every weekend because yeah. I just like didn't know what else to do. Yeah. Which also like didn't really lend well to me having like a normal college life because totally. it was never there. Yeah. But like I didn't know what else to do and I felt responsible. So you meet with was, Connie. I met with Connie and she was like trying to help me transfer and then she was like send me this essay by this date and then I remember being at shop and sending this email and being like, Well actually in a little bit of a turn of events I'm actually in the hospital so we're gonna have to put things on hold for a little while. So then I got out, and everyone's like, all right, what are we supposed to do with this girl? Mm -hmm. I was supposed to go to partial, and I went for, like, a week. But at that point, I was like, I am recapped out. Mm -hmm. I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Which kind of wasn't the best idea to go from, like, full rehab to, like, cold turkey. But, like, I was just so done with it. So no one really knew what to do with me. And then it was, like, late July at this point. I was like, oh, shit, like, I guess I have to go back to school. Mm -hmm. So, the only place that around, and I wanted to stay local because I just felt like it was, like, easier to stay local. And the only place that was really accepting applications was LaSalle. And, mm-hmm. like, LaSalle wasn't really a me school, but I was like, all right, whatever, I guess I'll do it. So, I went there for um, a few semesters. But then what happened was during finals one semester, I this was like completely unrelated to my eating disorder got a really bad concussion couldn't take any of my finals and it turned into this whole thing where like they um were trying to fail me for the semester because i sent a doctor's note but it didn't say like why i couldn't take my finals and it became this whole like legal litigation so then i yeah so then i ended up transferring again actually um to rosemont college and you stayed you graduated from rosemont yeah 
we both graduated college in 2019. It's now 2022. So. Oh, I graduated college in 2021. Oh, okay, great. We both graduated college <laughs> at different times. I graduated in 2019. You graduated 2021. It's 2022. Yeah. What? Where are we between 2021 and 2022? Where? Um, I work at a local hospital doing research. How uh, How are you though? Mentally, physically, emotionally. Uh, mentally, I'm in therapy twice a week still. Great. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean you weren't at like at yeah. that point in the story. So um, physically, I also have an autoimmune disorder, uh, rheumatoid arthritis. So that's been a little tricky with the pandemic because I'm considered like um, immunocompromised mm-hmm. and like high risk. So that's really been um, fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, the question on the top of my head, which you don't have to answer, and I can take this out, but like, are you in recovery? Yeah. Well, so that's the problem it's with a like different. It's not like it's, sobriety. It's yeah. It's not so cut and dry. You know what I mean? It's an ongoing uh, there, battle. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. It's not so Black such a straight line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a lot better than I used to be, but there are some hard days sometimes. Yeah. And you're not in contact with your dad. I mean, he's. I have three younger siblings who are in contact with him, so I mean, he's around. We just like pretend like none of this ever happened and just whack a smile on our face, mm. put a cocktail in our hand, and call it a day. That's really painful. Yeah. Anything else you want to share? Any other questions you out? have? I mean, it, it's interesting because, like, I honestly don't know. I feel like I'm gonna fuck up asking questions here. Like, I feel like oh, I'm no, gonna no. get ripped ask, apart by the news order. Ask away. Go ahead. I will. I got you. Um, I think one, like, the fear is that, like, you'll trigger someone, you know? So, the thing I have with this is, like, and I think that this is just, like, not just in the eating disorder world. I think it's, like, in the world itself. It's, like, the problem with also residential treatment is, like, yes, it's really helpful in the fact that it stops you in your track and Mm -hmm. you're literally being monitored 24 hours a day and, Mm -hmm. like, you can't really pull shit because you're literally being watched. But, like, that's not the real world. It stops patterns. Yeah. But, like, realistically, that's not long term. Yeah. And it's the same thing with, like, the political climate that we have these days. And I don't do pol- – I'm not going to get into politics at all. But, like, people will say, oh, that's so triggering. Well, you have to have a conversation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There has to be yeah. some sort of a healthy medium about it. Um. Okay, the last question I'm going to ask you. I'm trying to be better about this and ask everyone. So you live – in philadelphia slash the main line can you give us your favorite restaurant if someone's coming here to visit you know the refractory is actually it's pretty good what's that the refractory it's right never heard of it it's on villanova's campus it's a little weird vibe because it's literally in villanova's campus okay what's at the refractory like what would you what would you say someone should get there um well they just make a really good margarita okay great margarita at the refractory near villanova's campus Um, thank you so much for doing this podcast. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and follow the podcast wherever it is you listen to it so that we can bring you more unexpected stories by ordinary people. And if you didn't like the episode, forget what I just said and just please don't tell anyone.